Well, good morning, everybody. Good to have you here at FBC. My name is Nate. I'm one of the elders here at FBC, and it's an honor to be able to um, share a little bit this morning, to uh, be able to be in the pulpit. I'm just excited for that this morning. Um, We're continuing our series on gifted children. This is what we've been working on for a number of weeks now, uh, just uh, just exploring the different spiritual gifts that are given by God to his people in order to be able to be used within his uh, ministry and within his kingdom. And so we're going to continue that this morning. And this morning we're talking about the spiritual gift of evangelism, the spiritual gift of evangelism. And so I want to just start out, I want to just make this clear right from the get-go, um, where we're going with this, and I, and I hope I don't sound like a broken record, because if you were here with us a few weeks ago, I think Pastor Joe did a really good job of kind of already laying this out for us, because one of the challenges that we have with this particular series is that, okay, so we've got different gifts, and we all have different gifts, and so what if you're talking about a gift that I don't have? And so we, we've been talking about the importance of, that it, that it goes a little beyond that, and that, and that this is for everyone, and, and I, I can't tell you how important that is for today's message in particular. And so I want to just say it one more time, I want to stress it to you one more time, each of the spiritual gifts are beneficial to the life of every Christian. Each of the spiritual gifts are beneficial to the life of every Christian. In fact, the majority of them are attributes that I think we all would agree when we think about them, that they are, they are things that we need to have in our lives in order for us to live a life that is pleasing to God. Being hospitable, showing mercy, encouraging others, being giving, serving, showing faith. These are all things that I think we would all expect that a mature Christian would exhibit in their life on a regular basis, whether they have those spiritual gifts or not. And so we we know that these are things that we all need to be doing. But at the same time, finding your gift is important as well. Because we strengthen the kingdom when we serve in areas that align with our gifts. It's, it's a stronger kingdom. We get enjoyment out of serving in areas that align with our gifts. Because ministry is more effective when we serve in areas that align with our gifts. That's an important one because ministry is more effective. We do a better job of ministering to people when we have people who serve within their gifting areas. And so I want you to understand that both things are important. It is important for you to know your gifts and to use them, and to serve in an area that is, uh, requires you to use them. But at the same time, we need to recognize that all of the gifts apply to our sanctification, to our maturity as Christians. And I know that seems like I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth when I say that. You, you need to know what your gift is and focus in on that, but at the same time, you need to know what all the gifts are, and there probably should be a little bit of attributes in your life, just less so. But in my opinion, that concept is never more true, as I said a few moments ago, than this morning. This is so important, and I gotta tell you, I'm just stoked. I'm stoked to be able to share with you this morning. I'm stoked about the, the, the opportunity that I was given. You know, uh, Pastor Randy and Pastor Joe and I, we meet when we were doing the sermon outline, and I gotta tell you, they, they were nice to me, because they gave me this one, right? Like that, they would, I'm sure both of them would love to be able to preach on the gift of evangelism. And so I, I'm grateful, thanks guys, for that. Um, but Pastor Randy said a few weeks ago, he said, he said, well, probably maybe six weeks ago, he said something like this. He said, in a lot of ways, the other gifts, the other spiritual gifts all funnel toward evangelism. And when he said that, I was like, you know, that makes so much sense. You know, we give so that people will come to trust in Christ. We encourage to reach the lost. We teach so that people will know about God. We, we, we do lots of things. We're hospitable to people so that we have the opportunity to share with them the gospel. 
a lot of, in a lot of ways, all the spiritual gifts funnel toward one thing, and that is evangelism. And so I just can't tell you how vital this morning's message is. I hope you are strapped in. I hope you are ready, because I'm ready. I'm excited. And, and I got to tell you one more thing real quick as we start. I just have to tell you, I've been praying for you. I've been praying for this particular moment in time a lot this week. And, and I, you know, I never know. You never know who, who will be here. And I think it's always interesting to think about like how we get to be where we are. Like some of you, FBC is your church home and this is, it makes sense that you would be here on a Sunday morning. But for other people, you're here for maybe another reason. You're here visiting with somebody, you're just in town, whatever it could be. And so regardless of your backstory, I, I just want you to know that I, I've been praying for you even though I don't necessarily know all of you. I've been praying that God would use this moment in time for something special, for, for his purposes, for what he has planned. I've been praying that God would use this time as he sees fit. I've been praying that today would mark a day where we come face to face with scripture and that we would say, I've had enough with sitting around. That it's time for us to move. That it's time for us to get in the game. I've been praying that our selfishness would subside so that we might see beyond our tunnel vision. That we would open, our eyes would be opened by God to the people around us who are marching toward an eternity without hope. And then that we would actually do something about it. And so as we get started this morning, we, got, we just got to do that again. We got to go to the Father and we just got to trust in him for what he's got for us. So Father, I just, one more time this morning, I just come to you and I just ask for each and every one of us here this morning, God, that this is 100% about you that this is 100% about your honor and your glory and, and what you deserve and that you would give us this passion that we've never felt before, that you would give us eyes that see things we've never seen before, that there would be such hurt in our hearts as we look to people who don't know you, who are far from you, that we can't help but do something about it. I pray that you will give us passion and boldness to use whatever resources we have to reach the people around us. I pray that you will continue to bring people into our lives who need to know you, who are far from you, and I trust that you will use us in an amazing way. We thank you and praise you this morning. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, open up your Bibles if you would. Matthew chapter 28 is where we're going. Matthew chapter 28. And as you begin to flip there, I'm just going to start, I, I want to be just real clear with you. You know, sometimes I get in teacher mode, so I, I got in teacher mode for a moment here. I got goals for us this morning, okay? So I want you to know where we're headed. I don't want to have any questions about what I'm trying to do here. This is where I'm going. So a couple goals for you this morning. First of all, to convince you that evangelism, sharing your faith, is for every Christian. That's goal number one. Goal number two is to convince you that we, you have what you need to evangelize, that you are equipped or to make sure that you're equipped by the end of this time. And lastly, is to prepare you to start gospel conversations today. Today. So I'm aiming high. I hope you're ready to, to reach up there and grab onto something. So let's go. Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 16. It's probably a familiar passage to you guys, but we're going to read it anyway. Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 16. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, and here's what he said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Okay, so a little background information. This is, this is Jesus talking. That part that you see up on the screen, that's, that's Jesus talking, right? So he's died, and then now he's talking, which, by the way, doesn't normally happen, right? People don't normally die and then start telling stories, okay? So unique thing just because Jesus was really cool. So he dies, he's buried, he raises to life, and then he comes and he appears to the disciples, his apostles, the people he's been training for ministry, and he comes to them, and then this is what he tells them. He's telling them, okay, I'm leaving you. I'm gone. And so now here's what I want you to go and do. And so he tells them, there you go. Go and make disciples. And so you've probably heard this before, but just in case you haven't, like there's this um, verb tense thing going on. I don't know a lot about it, but go, when you read it, it really means like as you are going, right? It's not, it's not just like just go one time or something. It's, it's as you're walking through life all the time, as you are going, make disciples, it's a part of our regular process. It's not some unique thing that happens one time. And so that's what he challenges him with. He says, go and make disciples, okay? And so right away, we've got, we've got some fuel for the fact that each and every one of us needs to be doing it. But if that's not convincing enough, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where it says this. We're starting in verse 10. It'll be up on the screen for you. For we must all stand before God before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Here we go, good part. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. And then jumping down to chapter, the same chapter, verse 18 though, and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to him, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. And so that's written to every single one of you. It's a letter from Paul written to the Corinthians and then it comes to every single one of us where it says that we are Christ's ambassadors. We are given a part. We are given a role in the reconciliation of God and his people. Reconciliation, right? Like fixing, right? The mending of relationships. That's a part of, that we get to be a part of. We are Christ's ambassadors. I love that last part. We speak for Christ when we go to people, when we plead to them, come back to God. Come back to God. And so if that doesn't convince you that this is a part of of everything that we all need to be doing, I, I don't know. I don't know what else to tell you. But it does bring up an interesting discussion. You know, I was doing some research, obviously, for this morning, and and as I was reading a little bit, I came across this blog. It's from ChristianityToday.com. Okay, and there's a guy named Ed Stetzer. He's, a, he's an author and a, a pastor, does research for Lifeway, and he, he's a big guy. And so he writes this blog back in 2010 where he says in the blog, he doesn't think that there is such a thing as the spiritual gift of evangelism. Doesn't think it exists. And he goes on with a little bit of research, and he talks about how the fact that in, in 2010, 1% of Christians thought they had the gift of evangelism. 1%. That had decreased in five years. In 2005, the number was 4%. And in 2010, 1% of Christians thought they had the gift of evangelism. 
And he went on to argue that Obviously, the, the gift of being able to evangelize is something that all Christians should do, and that since there are some negative connotations with the gift of evangelism, because it can be awkward, because you're not sure what to say all the time, because you're not sure how that's going to affect your, your relationship with that person, because of that fact, people, they, they don't want to have the gift. And so then they don't think they have it. And so his concern is that that's drastically affecting the church because now people don't think they have the gift of evangelism, so they're off the hook. They can just sit back and watch the 1%. Do we really think that 99% of God's people in his church don't have the ability to evangelize? I sure hope not. Now, I don't agree with Ed Stetzer on the fact that there's not a spiritual gift of evangelism. I, I don't agree with that. I think there is a gifting that, that is unique for certain people. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But I think his point is very valid. That if we think we're just going to sit back and wait for the people who have the gift to take care of this for us, the church is in trouble. The church is in trouble. And people are walking toward eternity. And so I know I talked about this a little bit at the beginning, but I want to reiterate this one more time. We must embrace the call of evangelism on our lives. This is for every Christian. And so this morning, we're actually going to talk a little less about the gift of evangelism. We're going to talk a little bit more about the call to evangelism. The call to evangelism. Okay? So before we can really get into it, as we get into it a little bit, we need to kind of begin to discuss. I was thinking about this like, what, so what is the problem then? If Christians recognize their need to evangelize, why don't they then? And so I began to think through what are the things that are holding people back. And so I've got a few different things that I think could be reasons that, that might hold us back from evangelizing, from sharing our faith with other people. Evangelize just means what? To, to bring good news. So to take the story of the gospel to people. So here's why we're at. First reason, that I think it's got to be the biggest one, I don't know enough. I don't know enough. I can't, I don't have all the answers. Got to be the biggest reason, I think. People feel like they don't have all the answers. They don't feel confident about the many complicated issues within Christianity. They think about, like, what, what if I'm talking to somebody and they ask me about homosexuality? Then what am I supposed to say? Right? Or what if they talk about or ask me about end times and when Christ is going to come back? And I, maybe, maybe I don't know all the details. I haven't figured it out. Yeah, me neither. How am I supposed to explain the Bible? Who wrote it? How we can trust what they said? How we know it's real? How about all those weird rules in the Old Testament? How do I explain that, right? Because there's some weird rules in the Old Testament, right? Like, like the fact that people would get excommunicated if they missed Passover. So I'm just trying to figure out which of you didn't have your lights on last night for Halloween because we're going to boot you out of here. No missing holidays. Not allowed, Right? About like Old Testament, like you couldn't make garments out of multiple types of clothing or cloth, right? You had to have like one, one type, that was it, that's all. How about this one for women? Um, after you give birth, uh, no coming to church for the first 33 days if you have a boy or for the first 66 days if you have a girl. So watch your calendars, be careful, don't get here too soon. You can't eat animal about... Unless it chews the cud and has a... I mean, there's all these just bizarre things, right? And they had a purpose. I'm not, I'm not at all trying to say the Old Testament laws and requirements weren't, weren't important. They were, and they had a purpose. But sometimes we get ourselves going, well, what if somebody asks me about those things? How am I supposed to explain that to them? 
But you get the point. There's a lot of stuff in the Bible, and for many of us, it is imposing to think about being able to answer questions that people have. So let's talk a little bit about why I don't think I don't know enough is a good excuse on your part, okay? So first, number one, really important, it is God who saves. It is the most simple sentence, but it is the most profound truth in the entire world. It is God who saves, and only God. Let's look at uh, Psalm 3, 8. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord. How about Ephesians 2, 8? What's it say? We are saved by grace through faith, in this not on our own, for it is the gift of God. Salvation comes by grace through faith, and the salvation grace, the saving grace, comes only from God. That is the only place it can come from. And so I've said this before, so forgive me if this sounds familiar, but no matter how hard you try, no matter how many questions you answer, no matter how convincing your presentation of the gospel is, you cannot save anyone. Salvation belongs to the Lord, period. But, as we read in 2 Corinthians earlier, God has given us a part in the task of reconciliation. We have a role to play. And so we, we have to be thinking about what our role really looks like. And so we pray for people a lot. And we allow God to soften their heart. So we share our faith, but we trust in God to work out the details. We tell them what we know, what we have experienced, and we trust the Holy Spirit to provide us with words and resources that will take it from there. We bring people face to face with our Savior, and we let God handle it from there. And this is so freeing. This is so freeing because then we don't have to have the burden of what if they don't respond? What if they don't do a certain thing? What if, what if all the conversation that we ever have, what if I, I never get them to that place? That's God's work. That's God's work. Just allow yourself to be used. We pray for them, we continue to share for them, but salvation belongs to the Lord. Now, I don't want to minimize your preparation. I don't want to minimize that you need to know a little bit about what you're talking about. Okay, we're going to get into that in just a minute. I'm not saying any of that. But we can't sit back and go, I just, I can't, I don't, I don't know, I don't have enough. There's a lot of weight. I carry a lot of burden with this. No, God does the work. God does the work. So the second one, why I don't know enough is, is not good. The second thing, you, all you really need to know is the gospel. All you really need to know is the gospel. Okay, we don't need to know the entirety of the Bible. You need to know the heart of the Bible, which is the story of reconciliation, which is the gospel. And I want to show you a video that will kind of give you a little clue. It's the full story of life crushed into four minutes. The entirety of humanity in the palm of your hand crushed into one sentence. Listen, it's intense, right? God, our sins, paying everyone life. The greatest story ever told that's hardly ever told, God. Yes, God, the maker and giver of life. And by life, I mean any and all manner and substance, seen and unseen, what can and can be touched, thoughts, image, emotions, love, atoms, and oceans, God. All of it is handiwork, one of which is masterpiece, made so uniquely that angels look curiously. The one thing in creation that was made with his imagery, the concept, so cold. It's the reason I stay bold, how God breathed in a man and he became a living soul. 
formed with the intent of being infinitely, intimately fond. Creator and creation held an eternal bond. And it was placed in perfect paradise till something went wrong. A species got deceived and started lusting for his job. An odd list of complaints. As if the system ain't working. And used that same breath he graciously gave us to curse him. And that sin seed spread through our soul's genome. And by nature of your nature, your species, you participated in the mutiny. Our, yes, our sins. It's nature inherited. Black in the human heart, it was over before it started. Deceived from day one and led away by our own lust. There's not a religion in the world that doesn't agree that something's wrong with us. The question is, what is it? And how do we fix it? Are we eternally separated from a God that may or may not have existed? But that's another subject. Let's keep grinding besides trying to prove God is like defending a lion, homie. It don't need your help. Just unlock the cage. Let's move on on how our debt can be paid. Short and sweet. The problem is sin. Yes, sin. It's a cancer. An asthma, choking out our life force, forcing separation from a perfect and holy God. And the only way to get back is to get back to perfection. But silly us, trying to pass the course of life without referring to a syllabus. This is us. Keep up your good deeds. Chant, pray, meditate. But all of that, of course, is spraying cologne on a corpse. Or you could choose to ignore it as if something don't stink. It's like stepping in dog poop and refusing to wipe your shoe, but all of that ends with how good is good enough. Take your silly list of good deeds and line them up against perfection, good luck. That's life past your pay grade. The cost of your soul, you ain't got a big enough piggy bank, but you could give it a shot. But I suggest you throw away the list, cause even your good acts are an extension of your selfishness. But here's where it gets interesting. I hope you're closely listening. Please don't get it twisted. It's what makes our faith unique. Here's what God says is part A of the gospel. You can't fix yourself. Quit trying, it's impossible. Sin brings death. Give God his breath back, you owe him. Eternally separated, and the only way to fix it is someone die in your place, and that someone gotta be perfect, or the payment ain't permanent. So if and when you find a perfect person, get him or her to willingly trade their perfection for your sin and death in. Clearly, since the only one that can meet God's criteria is God, God sent himself as Jesus to pay the cost for us. His righteousness. His death functions as payment. Yes, payment. Wrote a check with his life, but at the resurrection we all cheered because that means the check cleared. Pierced feet, pierced hands, blood-stained son of man, fullness, forgiveness, free passage into the promised land. That same breath that God breathed into us, God gave up to redeem us. And anyone and everyone, and by everyone I mean everyone, who puts their faith and trust in Him, and Him alone can stand in full confidence of God's forgiveness. And here's what the promise is, that you are guaranteed full access to return to perfect unity by simply believing in Christ and Christ alone. You are receiving life. Yes.
powerful, right? Good. I was going to try and do that, and then I was like, no. No, not really. So that video um, comes from uh, something called Lead the Cause. It was a, a youth event we did back in, in June. I was privileged to be able to go as one of the chaperones to Chicago, and it was a week-long evangelism training event. And a lot of what we're talking about today comes from that training that we went through and stuff. And, and so this is what he ran through, the gospel. It's an acrostic that they use uh, to help people walk people through reconciliation with God. God created us to be with him. Our sins separate us from God. Sins cannot be removed by good deeds. Paying the price, Christ died and rose again. Everyone who trusts in him alone will be saved. And life with God starts the moment you believe and lasts forever. And so, so I, I wanted you to see that and I wanted you to, to watch that video because th- this is what we need. These are the tools we need to be able to share our faith. A basic understanding of how that works together is, is the requirement that we need. And that's all. And so, you know, you might come from different backgrounds. Maybe you know the Romans Road, which is an effective way of sharing the gospel with people. Or maybe you know some other method of sharing the gospel. Whatever works is cool. This is, this is just an idea, right? It's not the only way. But, but what I really encourage you is, if you don't have a good way of explaining the gospel, that this would become your good way. And so as you walk out the doors today, on the way out the doors, you're going to get one of these cards. And all it is is that, just real simple, on a card. And my challenge to you is for you to put this someplace where you're going to see it this week. Now hear me very closely on this. If you're not going to open your Bible, don't put it in your Bible. Seriously. Right? Put it somewhere where you're going to see it, okay? Hang it on a mirror in your house. Put it in your car next to the dashboard somewhere where you're going to look at it. Because if you don't know the gospel and can't succinctly explain it to somebody, by next Sunday, my challenge to you is to have that memorized. To be able to walk that through. It doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to have every little detail down, every single word. But can you walk somebody through the story of redemption? That's what we're after. So you're going to get one of these cards. Make sure you get one on the way out. Uh, I'll be back there, Pastor Randy, Pastor Joe. We're all going to try and be back there so that you can get one of these on the way out because I want you to have a tool that you can use to share the gospel. It's not some special formula. It's not the only way to present the gospel, but it's a tool that can be used. So a couple reasons why I don't know enough doesn't work. One, it's God who saves. Two, you just need to know the gospel, which we now have a good way of doing that. And thirdly, you need to know your story. You just need to know your story. We've talked about this before. You just need to know your story. One of the most convincing things you can share with someone who doesn't know Christ is to tell them what you have experienced. It's to tell them how you've been impacted. You know, think about it. What do we do? Like, if you hear that somebody went to a restaurant that you want to try, what do you ask them? How was it? Why? Because we want to know what they think about it. We want to know what their experience was like. If we're going to think about buying a vehicle, and we know somebody's got that vehicle, we say, how, what do you think about that vehicle? Do you like it? Is it something I could, should consider? Why? Because their opinion and their experience matters to us. In the same way, your experience with God matters to people. When you share your personal story, it brings validity and realism to what you are saying. 
And so, so for me, just real quick, maybe I can run through this for you. This might be kind of what it sounds like. For a long time in my life, I walked around and I was trying to figure out, you know, my mom raised us as, as just like moral people, really good people. I grew up in the Catholic Church. I knew, I knew from the very beginning that there's a, there's a God. I, I had no problem with that. that. That made sense to me. And yet still as I'm walking through life and I, I know intrinsically I can sense within me this, this, this constant, I know the difference between right and wrong. Like I just know that within me somehow. So that all made sense to me. It made sense to me that, that God was there. But, but I never really got it until I was like, you know, late high school, early college, that you know what? God created me to be with him. That, that's why he created me. Because he wants to have relationship with me. And, and that moral compass that I'm given that's because there's sin in my life. I didn't have any trouble recognizing sin in my life. That's not that hard. I see that. And so what I found out over time was, you know what? As much as I think I can keep doing the right things and keep trying harder and harder and harder, all that stuff, racking up good deeds, that actually doesn't do me any good at all. You know, he said it in there. It's like putting cologne on a corpse, right? Pretending like it doesn't stink. That's what it was like for my life for a really long time. And then I learned, and then I learned that since Christ, since God wants perfection, he sent his only son. He sent Christ to die in my place, to take my place, to be my substitute. And when I figured that out, that made so much sense to me. And from that very moment when I trusted in Christ, my, my life with God began, and it goes forever. And I, I, can't, I, I can tell you time and time again the ways that I've seen him move and act in my life. I know he is real, and I know that my life with him began that moment in time. And that's all you gotta do. Just walk them through your life. Share with them about what you've experienced. Take whatever they're going through and think about how that relates to your life and what you've gone through and, and, and give them what you can from that. Know your story. I know you know that. We all like to talk about ourselves, right? And so remember, when you get the conversation steered toward Christ, if you get a question that you can't answer, if you start to get to a place where you're like, oh boy, here we go, because we talked about, I don't have all the answers. Fine, use your resources. Come to Pastor Joe or Pastor Randy, one of the elders, come to us and we'll do whatever we can to help you. We'll give you whatever you need to help you through what they're, what they're asking you about. So I don't know enough is not going to work as an excuse. Okay, let's keep going. The next excuse, the, the other ones are shorter. If you're like, oh my goodness, this is going to take forever. The next ones are shorter. The next one is, I don't know who to share with. Who, like, who am I supposed to share with? Maybe for you, uh, trying to figure that out is a little bit challenging. And now here's where I want to talk a little bit about the difference that I see between the gift of evangelism and the call that each of us have toward evangelism. Okay, because for some people, um, the idea of just starting up a random conversation with them and trying to tell them about Christ is like terrifying. Like me even mentioning it probably gives you the heebie-jeebies and you're probably looking for the closest exit, right? You're like, I don't think so. I'd rather you just kick me in the face, okay? Because it's just, that's not your thing, right? But for other people, they're like, yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to talk to somebody. I'd love to just strike up a random conversation with somebody and see if I can't make that work toward the gospel. Those are people who have the gift of evangelism. They're typically highly relational people, right? Outgoing people. They like the challenge of it. 
they're generally unafraid of talking to people they don't know. Okay? They're obviously pretty good at communicating the gospel. One of the other core aspects of being gifted with the evangelism is you know the gospel. And you're good at communicating it from different perspectives. You can take a situation that a person is walking through and you can, you can take the gospel and apply it to their very own life. People who have the gift of evangelism are very skilled at that. Here's another one. They are especially burdened for the lost. They have a deep burden in their heart for people who don't know Christ. They are sensitive to the Holy Spirit regarding opportunities to share. They hear the Holy Spirit. They see him moving in their life and they they respond. They sacrifice their schedule and time to be able to witness to people they come across. They build margin into their life so that when given the opportunity, they can take the time to tell somebody about Christ. These are people who have the gift of evangelism. And we don't all have that. And I understand that. That's fine. But those who do, of course, we want to see you using that gift. And so what I want to do, you know, one of the things that we came back from LTC back in June and the teens were like, we need to do something. We need to like show people what we learned. We are so excited. And I was like, yeah, we got to figure that out. And so, you know, of course, life goes on. And so coming up with this, I was like, okay, we got to do something. And so what we're going to do in December, I'm working out all the details, but in December, this is what I want to do. I'm calling it Evangelize the Square, Okay evangelize the square and the meaning is because we're going to go to fashion square mall in december prime shopping time and we're just going to take some people there and we're just going to see what we can do we're just going to sit down with people we're just going to see just start up some conversations and see if we can't get them to move toward the gospel how crazy is that insane right i love it i absolutely love it and so if you are somebody who's gifted with evangelism You're who I'm talking to, okay? December 13th, it'll be in the afternoon after church. It's gonna be busy. December 13th, it's gonna be packed in that place. Perfect. We're just gonna go and we're gonna see what happens. We're probably gonna do a little training beforehand, make sure you feel comfortable and we'll partner you up with people who have got a little bit of experience. We'll we'll, we'll do it right, okay? But but I would love for you to come and talk to me about that because I wanna have, you know what I really want? I want to have so many people that we got to take a bunch to Fashion Square and we got to take a bunch to Genesee Valley because we got so many people we can't handle the Fashion Square Mall. We'd be like walking all over people. That's what I'm hoping for. And so if, if this is you, I, come and talk to me. We'll start working out the details of exactly when, exactly who. And teens from LTC, I don't know if there's any here today, but you got to get with me because you're going too. You don't have an option. Okay. So jumping back to all Christians for a moment as we begin to kind of wrap things up a little bit. We need to remember one key fact that I called your attention to on a regular basis, okay? When when we talk about, well, I don't know who I'm supposed to share with. Well, here's the one key fact. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. This means that God will specifically place people in our lives that are in need of him. Let's read from Acts chapter 8. It's going to be on the screen so you can look up there. Now it says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to 
Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? So let's get this story straight. There happens to be a guy who happens to be reading from the scriptures and needs somebody to explain to him the concept of Christ. And God sends somebody right there. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. This is the kind of things that he does. And not just then, now. There's a story. We were at LTC. We're going through all this training on evangelism. And they sent us out into the city, into Chicago. The one day we went to the, to the beach. Go share the gospel with people at the beach. And we didn't have a ton of, we, had a, we did okay. I was with students not from our youth group, just different people. And we're going around, and they did a great job. They really did. But we didn't have a, a ton of success that particular day in terms of on the moment, you know, uh, response to the gospel. We'll never know what, what we have for impact, but we're excited about it. So we get back that night, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm, I'm, I'm having a little quiet time. It's, it's like 11 o'clock at night. And I'm sitting outside, beautiful night out, Chicago, just the middle of Chicago, sitting at the Moody Bible Institute. And I'm, I'm saying, God, I just don't, you know, I'm here to evangelize and I just, I don't know, I, don't, I feel like I'm not really being used to the full capacity yet. And I, so I said, what, what do you, and I, I'm telling you, like, clear as day, he said, well, then go do something about it. Now, that's not like me, like, no, not really. I'm not, I want you to understand, I almost didn't tell you the story because I don't want you to think, like, I've got it all figured out. Trust me, I don't. But this is a way that God moves in our lives. And so I said, okay. So I walk over. There's a train station not far from Moody Bible Institute. And there's this little lady, Yolanda. She's working the gate at the train station. Do you know we talked for about two hours about the gospel, about why we know the Bible is true, who wrote it, how do we know that it's convincing, about her church background, about the things that she's gone through? Now, I wish I could tell you that that moment Yolanda was accepting of Christ, I, I can't tell you that. In fact, I, I've tried to communicate with her since, and I, I just haven't had any luck. But all I know is that God's going to work out the details. It is God who saves. And I know that we don't need to be concerned with who we're going to share. God will bring you people. You've got to be ready to listen. You've got to be ready for the Holy Spirit to guide you through so that you don't miss your opportunities. And so this brings us to last week. Pastor Joe talked about this. Maybe you heard about this or there was a, a Facebook post about it earlier this week. wanted you to come today with three people in your life. Three people in your life that don't know Christ who need you to impact them for the gospel. Because I bet you if you just think and pray for a few minutes, it's not that hard to make a list of probably more than three. And so the second challenge that I have for you today is to get that ball rolling is to be listening for the Holy Spirit and to start that rolling. What are you gonna do about it? And so what I want you to do, this is crazy, I know, I'm really asking you to do a lot. By the end of the day today, today, I want you to start at least one conversation toward the gospel. Now, does that mean you're sharing the gospel? No, 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 no. Maybe it's somebody you just haven't talked to in several years. And so you just text them and say, hey, how are you doing? I've been thinking about you. And that starts the process. And then when they respond back, you respond back. And then you respond back. And you get there until you see an opportunity to begin to infuse the gospel into the conversation. So by the end of the day today, 
Even if you didn't come today with somebody on your mind or three people, by the end of the day today, think of one person in your life and begin a conversation with them with the goal of taking it to the gospel. That's your second challenge. Your first challenge was memorize the G-O-S-P-E-L by next Sunday, right? Okay, so as we wrap up this morning, real quick, we're, we're really done. The last thing that I think people probably have sometimes as a, as a thing that holds them back from sharing is this. It's going to change our relationship. It's going to change our relationship. Can I just lovingly tell you for one second, quit being so selfish. Like seriously, knock it off. You know, Penn, uh, from Penn and Teller, Penn Gillette, you maybe have seen this before, professed atheist, very clear about that. There's a video on the internet, and I, I heard this one time, and it's just the most amazing thing. It's so strong of a, of a uh, reason to share our faith. I can't believe it. He's talking about how he doesn't actually mind, as an atheist, he doesn't actually mind when people share their faith. In fact, he says, I, that makes sense to me. And this is this quote in the video. It's so good. He says this, how much do you have to hate somebody to believe that eternal life is possible and not tell them? How much hate does it take to say, you know what? I don't want to ruin our relationship, so I can't do it. I read this quote also from back when uh, we came back from LTC. It's from Charles Spurgeon. It's, just, it's really so very good. He says this, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions, and let not one go unwarned and unprayed for. That's so powerful to me. So I hope this morning that I've stirred in you a passion for evangelism. I hope that God is moving in you right now in ways that we will just see for many years to come. That our, that our community might begin to be impacted by what God is doing through us. And if, if for some reason you're here this morning and as we've been talking through this, this is the first time that you've really heard about the gospel before, I would just encourage you to come and, come and see me. I'll, I'm gonna go right back there where we sing this next song in just a minute. Just come and see me back there. If you've got questions, if I can pray for you, if there's anything that I can do for you to understand what it means to have a relationship with Christ. Lastly, I just want to remind you about your challenges. Challenge one, to know the gospel by next Sunday. And challenge number two, to start a conversation that should be heading toward the gospel at some point by the end of the day today. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for your faithfulness to us. I thank you for your goodness. Father, I trust in you for the work. This is all about you. It's about your honor and your glory. It's not about what we do. It's not about us looking good or, or us getting accolades. It's about you. And I pray, Father, again for that burden inside of us that it would be so deep, so strong, something we cannot possibly ignore. I pray for each and every person in this room today and I pray for your kingdom to be impacted by the work you're doing from this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.